So this is the Sunday before Juneteenth. This is um, Father's Day. This is a day that I pray in your own lives you might see as a day of rejoicing in the ways in which God is going to meet you. This morning, I want to share with you that um, our lectionary passage, which is uh, basically the assigned passage for the morning, is about um, a man named Abraham uh, who uh, finds himself as one of these kind of like great figures in the Old Testament. Now, what I want to go ahead and tell you in advance is that I'm not going to be talking about Abraham as a father, okay, friends? Because um, uh, let me just say that while Abraham, some things kind of go left and right in Abraham's life, and so um, he's not the one that I'm going to try to center, uh, center this, um, center my, um, my sermon on. Um, I will say this, though, that throughout the month of July, I am going to focus my preaching in the book of Genesis and on characters like Abraham who do have very messy stories. I think oftentimes we think of Scripture as always being able to be tied up in a neat bow, and it gets us into a lot of trouble because we start to think of like our faith as X plus Y equals Z when that's not the case. Um, There's complexity, there's nuance, there's mystery. There are some things that we should actually say, whew, it sheds light on humanity in ways in which we need a God who can save us from ourselves. But I do want you to know this, is that in this particular uh, passage of Scripture, um, it is not known that Abraham is going to be called the father of many nations, for those of you who ever maybe grew up in vacation Bible school, you might have remembered the, story, the song, Father Abraham and many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's praise the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who do not know the song, you were saved from the wrath to come. (laughs) Account yourself among the blessed. (laughs) Um, But Abraham is known as the father of many nations. And this morning we will hear of Abraham and also of um, Abraham's wife, Sarah. And though they might seem to be at the center of these two passages of Scripture that I'm going to read, I want to invite you to do two things. Let the story of Abraham and Sarah be the story. It is what it is. And maybe it'll speak to you or maybe it won't speak to you, but let the story be the story. That's the mystery of Scripture. The second piece is Abraham and Sarah are not the main characters of this story. It's God who is at work in their lives. It's who I want you to spend your attention clinging to this day. Hear now these words from Genesis chapter 18, and then I'm going to also read from Genesis chapter 21. And it says this, The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. And Abraham said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. 
Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk, yum, and the calf that he had prepared, and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. And they said to him, where is your wife Sarah? And Abraham said, there in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of woman. So Sarah laughed at herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time, I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, oh, yes, you did laugh. (laughs) I love scripture. (laughs) Then in um, Genesis chapter 21, in the first seven verses, it says this. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as God had promised. God conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham gave the name Isaac. Isaac comes from this uh, Hebrew word yitzvah, which means to laugh or rejoice. Abraham gave the name Isaac, the child of laughter and rejoicing, to his son whom Sarah bore him. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. (laughs) Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would ever have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have you ever laughed at God? Has God ever whispered something in your ear and you just felt like the word that God came to you was a too good to be true kind of word and so you just laughed like, God, there is no way. Abraham and Sarah Understand this, laughing at God when a too-good-to-be-true word, when you are 99 and 100, (laughs) and a word comes to you that you are going to have the very thing that you have never had in your life. Here it is that Abraham is sitting um, under the oaks at Mamre. 
And uh, three men approach Abraham. And you need to know that these three men approaching are actually like the manifestation of something supernatural, which is why Abraham goes into hospitality mode. Oh my goodness, uh, you know, bowing down before these three, this entourage, uh, because they probably uh, came like messengers, or, or there was uh, something about them that Abraham knows that they're coming to, to honor or to bless uh, Abraham's life. So Abraham is like, listen here, Sarah, I need you to make some bread, you know, three measures of this good flour. Uh, they find some milk and curd, mm, delicious. I don't know what milk and curd is like. Um, then uh, Abraham goes to um, his servant and asks that the servant basically slaughter um, meat for these men to enjoy. And it says that they ate under the tree and uh, Abraham is just with them while they are eating. And then questions are asked. Abraham, where is your wife Sarah? And Abraham says, oh, Sarah's in um, the tent. And one of the messengers says, in due season, your wife Sarah is going to bear a child. Now, Sarah, you know, is doing what I do. I'm an ear hustler. Um, Sarah is uh, eavesdropping. I got to know what people are up to. It's called research. Sarah is eavesdropping, and she is listening in on this conversation. And as she hears this messenger say to, um, to Abraham that she is going to bear a child, Sarah laughs to herself. Sarah laughs to herself. <laughs> and Sarah had every good reason to laugh. And she comes with the receipts because there is nothing about her present circumstances that would seem to facilitate God being able to co-labor with her and with Abraham that she might have the very thing that she never had. She is no longer in the manner of women. And she doesn't even just point to herself, she's also like, honey, my husband is old. <laughs> he is also of advanced age, and I am of, of advanced age. Would this be the season of my life that I would know this pleasure? That this realm of impossibility in my life might become a realm of possibility. Do you see all of the evidence against me and my family? There is no way. There is no way. Sarah is just among a long line of individuals who laugh to themselves. Now, maybe the scripture doesn't say that they, that they laughed, but they definitely had the moment where they were like, okay, God, you have come with a good God word that is too good to be true, at least in my hearing, based off of my realm of impossibility. And God, let me tell you why it is that this thing probably cannot come true. For Jeremiah, when Jeremiah is supposed to be sent to go speak to power, Jeremiah says, I am just a boy. When Moses is called to go and to be the mouthpiece of liberation, Moses says, I cannot string words together. When Ruth wants to go alongside um, Naomi as an act of fidelity and faithfulness to the God that Naomi serves, Naomi says, I have nothing. What can I give you? When Isaiah is called up to be a prophetic voice among exiles, Isaiah says, I'm a man of unclean lips. Here are all of the things that would discount 
my present circumstances, being able to facilitate, oh God, this work that you say you are going to do in my life. So she laughs understandably. And here's what I want us to hold on to, is we know the beauty of the end of the story. She has a child who she literally names her response. But I cannot help but cling to the fact that she had a hard time believing it. That there's this tenderness in knowing that sometimes when we hear a whisper from God, that deep sense, or maybe a whisper from someone who loves you, who has a discerning spirit. Now, sometimes people say things over your life that you're like, mm, but there are other times when people literally say things to you and you recognize, oh, this word that they're speaking is a word that should land, but yet it seems too good to be true. I kind of want to cling to the fact that sometimes we have to we laugh at God, like, God, really? I have been with many of you as you have laughed at God. When the IVF fails, <laughs> when you've lost a loved one, and people keep on saying that weeping, might endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning, and you just laugh, you're like, really? When there is job loss or house loss, when relationships fail, there are just some times when God says, all will be well, or peace be still, or you will get to the other side. Or even if you don't see it, God is working. Sometimes it is too hard and too difficult to believe. Our work sometimes is to laugh and to trust that God can actually hold our laughter. Because the work of God is to do what we can't do. And the work of God is to work on our behalf in ways that we cannot comprehend. And the work of God is not simply to work through Abraham and Sarah that they might be known as the parent of many nations. And the work of God is not only simply to work through us that we be Pentecost people who are filled with power. Also the work of God is to do things for us. I want to say this one more time. It is very easy to be wrapped up in faith and to be thinking about what is God going to do through me? What is God going to do through me? What is God going to be th do through me? But also the loving kindness of God is that God also does some things for us. And God does the things for us that we cannot do for ourselves. And God works on our behalf in the ways in which that we cannot comprehend. And the very places where we laugh because it seems like a realm of impossibility are the very places that God calls possible, for nothing is too wonderful for God. In this passage of Scripture, because you got to hear the end, Abraham and Sarah get the thing that was promised them, Isaac, this child. 
Sometimes the greatest measure of our faith is relinquishing control over how it will happen. How will I find partnership? How will I find connection? How will I come to a place of, of spiritual renewal? How will I um, be employed in a way that I feel to overflowing? Um, how will I have the dreams for my life that I've always held in my heart? Sometimes we have to relinquish control over how it will and then cling to trust in God that it will. To hold loosely how it will and to cling I mean, sometimes you might have to cling with like a, a life grip or invite other people in your life who can believe when you cannot believe or to trust when you cannot trust or when you have been disappointed or dropped. That it will, that there might be a day, thus saith the Lord, that the very thing that felt so impossible will become the thing that you will name your Isaac. God, where I laughed understandably in your face I now can rejoice and laugh in celebration there are so many places in my life where I have laughed at God I laugh at God a lot because I trust God enough to love me even when I'm just like Lord like this is not how I want it to be. I was looking through my, um, my phone at an iPhone note from 2013 when I sat with a member of this church at Sunflowers. Sunflowers no longer exists. And at this conversation, we listed off all these elementary schools and people that we wanted to talk to about a new church expression in Southeast Raleigh. And I remember thinking to myself, this thing is not going to work, but how do I tell this person that I don't know that this thing is going to work? I don't know how to quote unquote start a new thing. And lists in an iPhone do not make a church. Sunflowers no longer exists, but we are here. Ha! I can laugh. Or just this past um, couple of days, I was at our denomination's annual conference in Greenville, North Carolina. As I watched one of my queer colleagues who is married and not hiding who he is, be ordained. Hold on. In 2023, I can laugh and rejoice, but in 2019, when I was at the General Conference of the United Methodist Church, and there was literally circles being drawn of who is out. <laughs> I laughed at God then, <laughs> like God, when and how long? Really? Is this the church?
And this is not to make um, light of our siblings in the Southern Baptist Church who also made some decisions to draw circles. That on Saturday I got to laugh and rejoice and name my Isaac. Do you have a realm of impossibility? Do you have a place in your life where God has whispered, it's going to be okay, but it is so hard for you today to believe? Is there a place where you've been disappointed over and over and over and over and over again? Is there a thing in your life that you have been waiting for, not for days, not for weeks, not for months, but for years? Are you eavesdropping and you're hearing someone say, it's, it's going to come to pass, and you're like, how? Don't you see how that went down? Don't you see how this person left? Don't you know how my body feels like it's failing me? How? We might have to relinquish the how and cling to that it will. I'm not going to say in due season. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it will look like. It may not come in the way in which we had imagined. But we cling to this idea that nothing is too wonderful for God. So wherever you are right now, um, if it feels comfortable, and if there is a place in your life that you are holding open to trust that God's promises are promises indeed and not suggestions. Gracious God, you, you say that you are trustworthy. And you say that you are good. And you say that our lives matter to you that our stories matter to you. You are a God who speaks in due season. You are a God who says in the days to come. Lord, for many of us, we have been waiting. And some of us in our waiting, we have been hurting. Some of us in our waiting, we have felt so disappointed or alone. We've even questioned your very presence. But God, as an act of faith this day, in this church community that it was always talking about your power in us, your power in us, your power in us, your power in us. God, we are asking, we are inviting your power for us. 
your power for the job, your power for the connection, your power for the dreams that we have for our lives, your power to make a way out of no way, your power to transform our realm of impossibility into that which is possible, that we are not those who are laughed at, but that people will come and laugh with us. Because what you have been able to do. God, I confess, even as a pastor, sometimes I wonder when or how, but I will not insult you on behalf of these beautiful people who are gathered in this place by asking for too little when you are a God who says abundance, abundance, abundance. So God, I might ask for sooner as opposed to later. God, I might ask for greater as opposed to less. God, I might ask for exceedingly abundantly more than anything any of us could ever ask for. May that be the measure of our lives. That what you have said to us in the whispers in the night might be the things that we see come to pass as we rejoice in the morning. We hand over these things to you, Lord, in confidence and in faith that nothing is too wonderful for you. We pray this, Lord, in the strong name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said,